Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack. My name is Matt, and this week our panel consists of Jay from Audio Ammunition. How's it going, Jay? Hello. Hello. Pretty good. Good. And then Corbin, who pulls double duty for, I, I like, every podcast in the world. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hello, hello. How's it going? <laughs> You can catch Corbin on Absolute Geek. You can catch him on Couch Crunchers. You can pretty much catch him everywhere. Your mom's bedroom. Who knows? Where Corbin goes is an exciting place. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe you just said that. Corbin gets around. That's what I'm trying to say. I get around. I can't, wait to, I can't wait to have you as my dad, Corbin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm done with you guys. <laughs> I'm leaving for the show started. Corbin out. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, but yes, it is that time of week again. It's time for another episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack, our weekly collaborative comic book review podcast, where we review all the newest books that came out last week and tell you what we're looking forward to that's coming out in your comic book stores tomorrow. So uh, who wants to go ahead and let's just jump right in? Who wants to kick us off this week with, with something special they got and they want to review? I, I did Jay last week. I kind of feel like I should I should hold Corbin's feet to the fire this week. Oh my really? god. Okay, I mean, let's go. Um I will address three at one time. Not really sure. I don't want to go into each individual book, but I am following DC's You Are the Villain. Um, at least certain story elements of that um tie-in. So I picked up um Scrab number one. Or or you know Scarab? Is it Scarab? I've never read I've never Scarab. You had it right the first time. It's the first time I picked up this book, so there you go with that. Um, also, Supergirl, um, the Year of the Infected one, and then um, the Batman Who Laughs, Batman Superman, Year of Infected. And each one actually kind of ties into the other, so it's interesting. Um, it's also pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the Batman Who Laughs been infecting these... Well, those actually lead into a big uh, a big first appearance that comes out next tomorrow, I believe. Really? You want to elaborate on that? Well, I don't want to ruin it for people. Okay, well then I guess there's the elaboration. All I can um, say anyways. is read Supergirl. <laughs> oh yeah, I just did. I just finished it. Well, that's one of them. I oh, you read for tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I mean, each one, um, the main setting is pretty much at the Fortress of Solitude. Batman and Superman are there. Uh, Supergirl was also there, unbeknownst to them. They kind of have this big meetup where Supergirl gets infected. But the heroes that are currently infected by the Batman who laughs are, are Blue Beetle, Donna Troy, Jim Gordon, Shazam, Hawkman, and now Supergirl, which happens when uh, Donna Troy tries to throw, um, or not Donna Troy, it was Jim Gordon. One of the infected superheroes tries to take out Superman with, um, uh, I guess, like a batarang that's designed to pierce his Kryptonian skin. Um, Supergirl intercepts it, catches it, kind of keeps that moving along. But in the process, she becomes infected. Um, and it's really interesting how the three comics inter like bounced off each other. Uh, Scar you said a Scarab? Scarab. Scarab. I'm going to keep saying Scarab. Scarab um, it was just Blue Beetle becoming infected and really acting in ways that he does. A lot more brash, a lot more um, 
confident using his powers in front of people. He had a couple of friends who were trailing him going, hey, what are you doing? He missed the bus for school. He's like, you know what? I'm Blue Beetle. I don't got to worry about making a bus. I'll just fly and meet you guys at the school. Wait, he had a couple of friends doing what to him? Following him. Like, I haven't read oh, any previous him. Okay, trailing okay. him, following I'm saying, come Not on, you. man. No, no, no. I, I heard something else. I was like, wait. Oh, wait. my bad. No. So, I mean, his, his um, he ends up becoming more and more beast, more bug, I guess, than than person um, through his evolution metamorphosis that he's kind of had brought up, brought upon him by the Batman who laughs. Um, and it all culminates in a big showdown against, I'm trying to remember this villain's name here. Um, one sec, there's extra noise in the back here. One minute. Um, geez. Fi Ghostfire. That's what it was. So he ends up basically, I mean, from what the comics seems like, he seems like he like he literally starts eating Ghostfire um, and against his will. Because he's just turning into this huge kind of monster. And I'm not really sure. Again, I have to read more of The Year of the Villain. I've been off and on and really just been reading primarily the Batman titles. I picked up the Supergirl and uh, the name I can't pronounce on a whim. <laughs> just because <laughs> I wanted to see how that tied in. And I, I guess this is the danger of that. Because sometimes you are a little disjointed. The Batman, Superman, and Supergirl one totally tied in. And there was enough from Scarab to make it all match. But at the same time, I do not know the Batman Who's Laughs ultimate motivations um, and how it ties into, aside from him, you know, infecting all of the DC superheroes, which I guess that would appear to be the case. Hey, look, you got it right this time. Scarab. Scarab. There you go. It was Nailed it. Fifth time's a charm, you know? Nailed it. It had to happen. It had to happen. So that was good. <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I give all the stories, I mean, they just felt like bit pieces moving together to set apart a bigger story. It wasn't quite those filler waste of issues kind of deals but it wasn't anything more than that either um it kind of fit each other and i guess it all formed a chapter that we'll have to wait till the next entry for each book to kind of continue that story so i'd hmm. like to grade them all together i would give it all three out of five it was solid um it wasn't anything more than that i like the artwork i guess i do have to credit the creative teams here um so for batman superman uh, number five you're kind of, we're kind of losing you, Corbin. Corbin seems to be having some internet issues. It froze on a beautiful. Are now still out? A beautiful picture of him. Aren't they all? He looks like he's trying to take a call for AT and T right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you're you're back. So so the gist of it was I first of all I got to applaud you on your your miraculous ability to review three books in one review. First of all, hats <laughs> off to you. Let me, that was talent. I'd give you a round of applause if I could. But from what I'm getting from the gist of it is that each one of those books, the, the Supergirl, Scarab, and the other one is three out of five for each, right? That's a creepy photo. It just froze on him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you guys can see it. But yeah. So so three out of five. You're, so it was pretty good. You're, you're... <laughs> Corbin, why don't you go ahead and drop out and try to come back in? Yep. And um, yeah, he's kind of sounded like a Cylon. Yeah, I apologize for the uh, the technical difficulties on Corbin. There, we'll get that fixed as soon as we can. But Jay, why don't we go ahead and kick it off with you with your first review of the night? Okay. Um. So I think I'm gonna. I'm going to talk about uh, Nightwing, number 66, which, like I said before, um, it hasn't been the 
most fun ride um, so f- lately with Nightwing. Um, so in case, do you have you ever read Nightwing lately? Have you? Um, I have not read Nightwing since he decided to become Rick Grayson. Okay, so you know that there's three like do-gooders that found his um, like his his uniforms underground. Nope. And okay, so All, the last they thing decided... I read is when he got shot. I believe he gets shot in the head, and he becomes yeah. Rick Grayson, and he gets like the Nightwing scar on the side of his head. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, KGB shot him, but. So in his absence, these three, uh, these these three civilian. Well, I guess they're not civilians. It was like a cop, a firefighter, or two cops and a firefighter. Um, they decided to all wear Nightwing costumes, and they all have different, like different era Nightwing costumes. Um, so yeah, it hasn't been exactly that great. But a um, couple issues ago, a couple issues ago, uh, Talon showed up wanting to recruit uh dick to the court of owls and it seemed oh, like a old, really good this old gem again yeah recruiting dick to the court of owls yeah so um talon shows up and he he, he basically he's using um dick grayson's lost memory loss to his advantage and he 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 captured him and he put this device on him that is basically like taking his old memories and manipulating them so that it makes it seem like um like he like talon was the guy that like trained him and raised him and was his mentor instead of bruce wayne and um so far it's it's kind of working um, and he pretty much has Dick Grayson under his control, thinking that you know he's an assassin for the Court of Owls. So his first mission was to kill the other Nightwings, which that and that's where like the the issue ended. Which would be really really great if he did. I hate to say, <laughs> it'd be fantastic if he killed at least two. I'd be really happy. One. Uh, I'd be pleased, but um, so that's where it ended. Where he was about to, you know, he's about to stick a, a knife into all of them. So, uh, and then a pretty good cliffhanger. And um, art. So Dan Jurgens is a writer, and the artist, gosh, Ronan Clique, Clique, something like that. Um, I'm I'm not all that familiar with any more of the stuff that he does but art's pretty decent and um since talon showed up the i feel like the story has has kind of at least for me been a little bit better a little bit more engaging so i will give nightwings number 66 two and a half out of five two if he would have killed half, one of the, huh? if he would have killed one of the other nightwings it would have been a three you said you did a corbin Two and a half out of five, huh? Yeah, it's pretty average, but at least it's not below average like it has been. It's been up. It used to be a solid one and a half. Wow. Two maybe, but it's getting better. And you call yourself a Nightwing fan? <laughs> hey, 
I don't. Uh, I don't make any apologies. I I call him like I see him. Okay, <laughs> that crap story is a crap story. I don't care who it is. Hey, you get you get no slack. You know, get no gaff from me. All right. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and start off with a book that I picked up on a whim this week. It's from uh, Maria Lovett. It is uh, from Boom Studios. Heartbeat number one. Yeah. Um, it's actually a, uh, it's a, well, this comic originally came out, it was originally written in Spanish, so they've now translated it to English. Boom Studios picked it up and translated it to English and brought the first issue over. Um, oh, wow. The, uh, the story is about a young woman who is poor, and she is attending a, uh, uh high-class high school of sorts. She's, uh. She's kind of an outcast and in a uh, an outsider, and she doesn't have a lot of friends, and people kind of look down upon her. And she, the only reason she's able to can uh, attend this school is because her mother is actually like a caregiver for a rich family in town. So because her mother holds that position, she can kind of go to that school. And her mother's a workaholic, and it kind of center the first issue kind of centers around her talking about how she's an outsider and how. She feels alone and like has all these strange feelings when she comes upon a, a boy that she has a crush on and you you kind of see their interaction and he kind of picks up a bird and then they, she goes on a little bit more that she kind of runs into um, she kind of runs into another popular girl that gives her some some gaff for being poor and you know that that old story kind of makes fun of her for being poor. So at the end of the book, she she goes into go into a classroom and she opens the door to find that the guy that she has a crush on has killed the girl that was giving her issues. He was sitting there on the ground with her in his arms, her heart ripped out, and he was drinking her blood. Trent wow. comes to find out it's he they're not he's not a vampire. He just really likes the taste of blood. So <laughs> so apparently with my research after reading this because I was like, look, this story's crazy. It's all over the place. The artwork in it is beautiful. I got to find out more about it. And then that's how I come to find out that it was originally written in Spanish and they've just now translated it to English. Um, and boot when boom picked it up, apparently it hmm. moving forward, it dives into like, she, he knows that she saw him. Like she saw him basically with her dead body. He knows she saw him and they kind of start a relationship together. And it, it kind of, fuels around this group of people and their relationship is kind of the driving force behind it with his with his lust to drink blood it's really interesting if you're into if you're into horror and you're looking for something odd and different uh i would definitely recommend checking out heartbeat number one i would probably give it a solid 3.5 out of five nice wow. okay it was That's it was different good. like it was mm -hmm. i picked it up on a whim it was it was different. It's not like anything else that's out. Because I was like, this dude's a vampire. Well, no, it's it turns out he's not a vampire. He just likes the taste and the metal the metal taste of blood. So he he kills people to drink their blood just because he likes the taste of it, and he'll he'll kill to get it. So yeah, I thought it was interesting. It was like I said, if you want a horror story or you're looking for something out of the norm, out of the superhero realm. I would definitely recommend picking up at least issue one or two in two of, of Heartbeat number one just to check it out. 
Cool. Good, good palate cleanser then. Huh? Yes, definitely. Cool. It definitely filled my, my, my lust for, for walking dead since that book has ended. So it was definitely like, like that weird horror off the realm, non-superhero book that I just, like I said, picked up on a whim. So it was, it was pretty cool. Cool. I like it. What you got Corbin? Uh, hate to crack open this one so soon. I've been looking at it, trying to figure out if I wanted to talk about it right now, but, um, let's just get to it. I got Batman 83, Tom King's run. Um, I just, this, this story was essentially like a goodbye to Alfred. Um, that came six to seven issues too late in my opinion. Um, yeah. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm sorry. I think that I, I guess I just have to kind of go into it. That's really the entire story. Is was it a goodbye Alfred's, to Alfred though, or was it a goodbye to Bruce Wayne? From it was a Alfred? good. I want to say it was two things. Mm. It was a goodbye to Bruce Wayne from Alfred. It was also a goodbye as far as Tom King could write it, because we know there's going to be a Pennyworth um, story coming out in February or a trade payback or something, and that will not have King attached to it. So I think this King version of saying goodbye to the character that he kind of just killed. So I, I, I that's what I think it is. Um, and that's where he dies. Huh? <laughs> and you just froze. Oh, I did? Wow. I'm not I'm not sure what's going on over here. Anyway, um, yeah, that's where he died. Exactly. I think it's an odd filler issue, only because you only have, what, two more issues left on the run? So yeah. I kind of feel like... That's something that you would, you know, have done a couple issues ago to continue the story moving forward. You have a final clash with Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne, who I guess is really the whole antagonist of this whole um, City of Bane storyline, um, which is another just, it's, it, it escapes, it, it boggles my mind how that's even possible when the storyline's called City of Bane. But that's another story for another time. Um, and and I, I found some things troubling about this, I will say. First, Alfred was describing, you know, saying goodbye to Bruce, but the way that he's doing it almost made it seem as if he was like, like, I'm leaving on my terms. Like, are you committing suicide? Are you like choosing to off yourself? Because there didn't need, there didn't seem to be, it, it seemed like Tom King was trying to write this as like a heroic sacrifice. Um, while at mm -hmm. the same time falling hollow in all of those points, that, 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 that ring of, of sacrifice didn't come through, especially since he had it locked so that he didn't sacrifice it. Batman had to come in to find him dead. Like, it wasn't like, oh, he was buying them time. No, he locked himself in, essentially. Or at least where he was killed. Um, and this was in Batman 77. So it was just very odd to me that that would happen. Also, the fact that he referenced um, Bruce Wayne before trying to be Batman, apparently also trying to um, commit suicide, that was just very jarring. Um, and this is from someone who's read the run of, of, of Batman through King so far. And again, it just reminds me that this is not Batman. Um, and that how would you go from, oh, I'm done with this to all of a sudden, no, I'm making my, my life's mission to, you know, take out criminals and avenge my parents' death when I was just about to end my life earlier. It, it goes into a whole nother set of um, topics involving suicide and, and mental state and things that I do not feel qualified to go into. So I'm going to stop it right there. But I did find it jarring to see Tom King go into it in such the manner that he did. Um, all in all, it was a very odd, confusing filler issue for me. I did not enjoy it. The artwork was fine. Um, and that's there's something to be said for that because it's been a varying quality the last couple of issues. Um, 
And I, I guess there's something to be said. There was also a couple of beautiful splash pages that were really, really cool. Some t- not splash, two break, two page spreads that I really liked. And I think that was kind of the the highlight of this book, which was really a quick read for me and and not one that was enjoyable at all. Um, it ends with Thomas Wayne asking Bruce, "Is he ready to give up?" Bruce saying, "Never." And they get ready to clash, as Bruce says, for Alfred, which he's like, one more time, Father, for Alfred. So I guess we'll finally get the big fight next issue. Um, I mean, at this point, King only has a couple more issues left to kind of actually get to what we're trying to get to. So I'm not really sure how much more further he can kick this rock down the road. But he's done a great job of it. Um, I'd give this one two out of five. Oh, what did you feel about it, Jay? Um... I, you know, I agree with a lot of what Corbin said. I, I thought that was, um, it was pretty spot on, especially, you know, about the, the self-sacrifice thing. I was kind of like, what? so he is sacrificing himself so that Batman can win this, um, is kind of what it made it seem like. Um, and uh, I don't know. It, it My thoughts on that were, kind of conflicting but um i do agree that jordy belair's colors are very great yeah um and i i so just the the writing alone that those like longfellow poems that that tom king quoted i i feel were really really good at drawing out the emotion that he was trying to convey because some of these some of these panels man you know like like Bruce Wayne waking up and realizing where he's at and what's going on and his face changing from like grogginess to like surprise to sadness you know to anger and um, it was just i don't know it was pretty cool and some of the you know there's this one panel where he's like holding alfred and the tears are just like streaming down out of the bottom of his cowl yeah yeah and i was like oh my gosh that is i mean he i i think he's a very good writer and he conveyed that that the emotion that very very well um, because it man, it, it it hit me pretty hard, you know. And there's a, been a few issues that Tom King has done. I don't know if you guys read the last the annual last year where where it, I think it was last year where it had um, it basically had him uh, Bruce Wayne and Selena where they're really old and um, Bruce Wayne I think he had cancer or something. It was like an alternate reality thing, but. Um, yeah, so it showed Catwoman. I don't know. It had like this little story of, of him, basically his last days, and Catwoman like leaving the hospital after he passed away and stuff. But oh my gosh, that's like one of the most heart wrenching comics I think I've ever ever read. So that being said, I I, I really enjoy Tom King's writing, but I, I also agree with with Corbin is like. So Bruce uh, or, or Alfred's been dead for what four or five issues? Yeah, going on six now. And and like you said, now he's finally <laughs> realizing. What, 
And because everyone's been wondering, that's all yeah. you from the moment that happened, all you keep thinking is, oh my gosh, what you know, what's where is everybody? Why doesn't anybody know? And then the yeah. next issue comes out, and you think, okay, they totally skipped over that, skipped over that, skipped over, and finally we get this. So um like like Corbin was saying, it's it kind of seems like a little um like too little too late in a way. Yeah. Um but and I also I mentioned to Corbin when we were messaging, um, we're like, so now Selena Kyle's like up and about because last I yeah. saw Bane smacked the hell out of her and Sold. she hit this wall and it looked like it was an injury that was not going to just you can walk off. You know what? It, it, in issue 86, we're going to find out finally that Selena was actually paralyzed or severely debilitated by that slap that happened in issue 83. Because that's how King is, you know? It'll be four or five mm -hmm. issues later that the ramifications that actually come into play. So that we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> well, because she was walking around pretty good that's just fine. then. Mm -hmm. and, but that last scene with him walking into that room with Signal and um, Tim Dre. I mean, the whole family, the whole Bat family was sitting there um, and they're about to square, you know, Thomas Wayne and, and Bruce are about to square off finally um, was pretty intense. And so that, that was a pretty cool cliffhanger for me. So for me, I'd give this three and a half. I'd probably give it four out of five. Oh, okay. I mean, you know what? You made a great point, Jam. Before I know, Matt, you're about to get all in on this. I will say I've not been a fan of the use of poetry by King in the past, but it was especially poignant in this one. You're right. It did bring out along with the colors and just the artwork was just on point this issue. It really brought on the mood of this book. So I give you credit for that because I totally had taken it for granted because I'm used to dragging through poetry that just seems like he puts it in there to show us that old oh, Tom King knows poetry. Old oh, Tom King knows poetry in there. So you're right. Oh, no. For this one, it was like, wow, this actually worked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it worked on this, but I agree. Some I don't remember what, which book it was or which story, but I remember there was like this Russian poem that yeah. he put in there that was so bizarre, and I could not figure out the parallels or the symbolism of it it just seemed like just total nonsense and i'm sitting there reading it and looking at the panels i'm like this is so abstract <laughs> it's totally yeah, beyond and, my education you know and, and he does this a lot especially on the batman run i mean he wasn't doing this really too much of vision and other works that he's i've read not that and I've i get seen, it no. no it's it seems like it's a sudden literary trope that he's picked up and just seems intent on hammering home but that that's enough on my take a really good read on that jay all right, so let's get into this real quick. <laughs> I loved this issue. I absolutely loved it. I think four out of five is probably a solid, a solid score, Jay. Because at, okay. at the end of the day, sorry, his bias is showing. Hold on, hold on. I'll tell you why. At the end of the day, <laughs> where Tom King's run is over at what issue eighty-five, right? So, I think so yeah. So that's two more issues. So I think he took the time to make this issue kind of his penultimate issue it, it, in, in a way. He's, this is his saying goodbye to the Batman character through Alfred. 
So he's mm-hmm. kind of using the Alfred Batman relationship to say goodbye to his time on the bat with on the Batman with the Batman book because you he knows that the next two issues are going to be the final confrontation between Thomas and Bruce Wayne. So he's kind of taking this lull to use Alfred to say his goodbye. I love the way he did it through a letter. And and the way that you guys are kind of describing it is it almost feels like the the stuff that happened where selena got bitch slapped and all that was before <laughs> this and they kind of moved batman and bruce wayne into a staged area where he wakes up sitting at the table with a dead alfred and what you're seeing is his reaction to that because of the way at the end thomas wayne sends selena in and says he's he's ready for you now and he wants to know if you're ready and they have that final face down in the parlor with all the Bat family there. It, this feels very much like it was a staged um, thing by by Thomas Wayne. And what, what I get from the, the what you were talking about, Corbin, the I will die mm-hmm. here, I choose to, uh, I will die here, I choose to die here, is he, Alfred says, I choose not to be an instrument of your downfall, but I choose to uh, be your salvation. So he's saying, instead of letting him be a victim, instead of him being a victim and letting Bruce come save him and ultimately walk into a trap, he's choosing to take that bullet and die to make to allow Bruce the salvation to not be the victim and not have to fall into this trap. So he's he's saying he's making he's taking this time to choose to be the bride instead of the bridesmaids. He doesn't want to be a, a damsel in distress anymore. He's choosing to go out like a hero and try to 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 stop Bruce from coming to his aid versus Bruce running in and falling into a trap and ultimately almost ending up in the same situation. I, I get what that, you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but it almost also it also almost feels like a lack of faith from Alfred to Batman because you're saying oh, I'm tired mm-hmm. of being, you know, put in a compromised position where you have to keep saving me so rather than force you to keep saving me, I'm going to make the sacrifice for you. An empty sacrifice at that because it's going to continue anyways, as we all know. And also, that makes no sense. You, if you, Alfred and, and Bruce's relationship is deep. It's almost as if Alfred's saying, you know, I'm tired of this dance that we keep doing where I have to be rescued and I am that bridesmaid. So here I am putting it all out there for you. Like, it, it almost backfires in a way it's, in that sense. It's like it's – yeah. got to look at it – the way I look at it is like a father to a son. And he's, he's saying, listen, boy, I've watched you grow up. I've watched you with all this pain. I've watched you suffer. I've heard you cry. I've been there. Like, the, the last half remember I remember is when you, the last time you smiled. I don't want to take that away from you. I don't want to, I don't want you to live with this pain all, all your life. So I don't want to add another burden to you. So let me be the bearer of this burden. I'm choosing to take this, this burden for you instead of allowing you to carry it for the rest of your life. But see, it's it sucks because that's it ended up that way anyway. That's what yeah. I was about to say. It's like you ultimately... Know, that was so sad. And now he's the bearer of that because you just lost your father. You said it, Matt. He's been doing this from yeah. the beginning. And the fact that you're right, it was... I, I'm gonna, I, I, maybe I was too low on it. Now that you have brought out some um, points, Jay, and you've built upon that, Matt, I'm not the restructure my grade from a two to maybe a, maybe a two and a half, maybe a three. That's a big um, jump. Hold on there, guys. Okay, okay. <laughs> because I'm mean, tight, feel, man. Buckle I am, I've just not been a fan. I've really soured. I've read all of King's Run. I've really soured on the last 30 issues. 
Um, I've just really, yeah. The, there's too many of his tropes that have come into play. I don't like his Batman's over-dependence on Catwoman throughout this. I don't like Catwoman being such a staple of the Batman title that they're linked in ways they've never been before. Um, I can, I mean, there's several more issues I have with that. So I've already been down this road with King, and it's kind of hard to bail out of it. So I'm already starting on like a curve, a negative curve, when I grade his books. And I, I, I give myself that bias there that I'm not already leaping to, oh, hold on, let's give it a, a positive eye. Let's look at all the angles. Because I've already seen enough of, of, of King's BS in some of these Batman um, runs to be like, okay, I'm done with this. But in this one, maybe I looked at it too negatively as you're bringing out. I just think that it, King's thinking of, oh, Alfred Sanders, and Matt brought it about probably more eloquently than King, the guy who wrote the book, would say it. But in the sense of, you know, I don't want to be this extra on you, so I'm therefore going to roundabout give you more pain and give you more of a gap by being the person who's going to be gone from your life so that you can have this traumatic experience where you wake up in a stage location, see me dead, and yes, you have the letter, so you know my mindset behind it, but guess what? I'm gone, and that's it. I mean, and to be fair, when I first started reading, when I first finished Batman 77, I thought that that was a stunt, you know, that, you know, they bring him back, it was an angle, yada, 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 something. So I didn't believe he was dead. And then, and then building upon these other books, you know, therefore, okay, even more so the fact that, okay, they'll find a way to bring him back and we'll find it was all a mistake. It wasn't until the solicitations that said, you know, the, the Pennyworth book that's coming out that I was like, oh, that was real. And then reading this one, it's like, oh, now King wants to address it. So I don't know. I, I think it's too much of those negative factors on my end that can't let me go that much higher. But I will say that I, I see a whole new perspective on it on a positive end now. And it's, it's he's trying to give him that feeling of that he's not alone. And he doesn't have to do this alone. And that he's loved. Like the last line before Catwoman enters the room is, Goodbye, Master Bruce. And please always remember, whenever, wherever you are, and wherever you are, terror, and whatever terror you confront, you were forever loved. So it's kind of like him letting him, giving him that gratification that, look, you're not alone. You were loved. You know, you're not going through this alone. And, you know, I, I like I said, the way it's written and the way it's written from Alfred's perspective, it feels to me very much like a King's goodbye to this character, goodbye to his time on this character. He chose to use Alfred's death and the point of view from Alfred to, to do that and get that across. And now you're getting the final showdown, like that final page where, where Jay was talking about. And I'll hold it up right here if you guys can see it, where he's, he's walking in, you know, he's got cowl off. He's surrounded by the Bat family. As he gets closer, he puts the cowl on. And you know it's go time. And he's about to have that final confrontation. Now, where where I struggle with this is where you struggle with it in many ways too, as far as King's writing goes, is it jumps around. So like you said, they killed the Bat they killed Alfred in 77. And so then that you had back and forth. You saw a lot of like Batman trying to reheal himself after Brain broke him Bane broke him again. You know, and trying to put himself back together and, and coming, you know, they it jumps around. There's a lot of filler stuff that I don't know you necessarily need. Um, but now it almost mm. feels like we're going to get that again because you're getting that final confrontation. They're, they're about to square off in the parlor. And the, the next issue is called The Secret History of Thomas Wayne. So it almost feels oh. like it's about to jump yeah. off the main story again and that it's mm. going to conclude in his final issue. So wow. I kind of feel like just the way it's written, like I said, this is, I think he wrote this as 
his penultimate issue, even though it's not, but it's it's his goodbye to the character, and they're getting ready to he's getting ready to move on and setting it up for James Tinian to take over at the beginning of the year. That's excellent, man. Once again, I am so envious at the way you could take that. No, I'm. It's yeah, I totally agree. That's totally his his goodbye letter to to Batman. It totally is. Now you said that, I was like, yeah, of course it is. How, like, how could I not have seen that? <laughs> just like I feel like Scott Snyder's goodbye to his Batman uh, New Fifty Two run was. I can't remember what issue it was, but it was the one where like the Batman uh, Batman's night off. It was one of oh, his right, final right. issues. It was like a one off, like end of the run issue. And I kind of mm. felt like that was his goodbye to the character as where I feel like this is King's goodbye to his time on the Batman character. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. If I would have had, if I would have caught that early on, it probably would have made it more emotional. <laughs> so kind of glad I didn't. So you give it a four out of five as well, Matt? I give it a four out of five. So you know the only reason I don't go 4.5 out of five, because I mean, listen, five out of five, that's perfection. All right. And this There's, was not perfection. This was not perfection. As good as it was, it was not perfection. But the only reason I don't go 4.5 out of 5 is because of like what you said, the the jumping around that King does and how this isn't going to be the, you know, we're going to, looks like we're going to jump around again to come back in the final issue. So you're so, saying that the last issue where, um, where Bane was, or where, where Batman was about to break Bane's back and Thomas Wayne burst in and shot him. You're saying this is before that. No, I'm, I'm saying this is after that because they they start that fight. So I think he shot him and then he goes in and this is staged. So I think this is him waking up from that gunshot or from that shot. And oh, he's yeah, staged. Yeah, yeah. He's playing a psychological game. It's staged because he's across the table from Alfred. And remember, Bane, remember yeah. Bane had him tied up in his hideout and that's where he broke his neck. So it's it's like a stage where he's you know he brought him back and staged this to be across the table from him yeah this is a psychic mm, this right. is a psychological move to to mess with him yeah that's good that's, yeah, that was a really good breakdown man I, yeah i gotta go with jay that was a great credit to that so i love comic book reviews okay see see there you are there you are love it all right well i mean that was me we swinging it back up to Jay? Yeah, what do you got, Jay? What's your next book? Okay. Um, so, um, oh, gosh. Let's talk about um, Justice League. Have you guys read Justice League? I do not. Um, I did not pick that up, no. So it's Should've. more of the uh, of the perpetua the the goddess that from um the whole uh post dark knight's metal and oh. um, she's the mother of monitor anti-monitor and anyway so she she goes and she she sides with legion of doom and she transforms lex into like this this using her powers into this being that is pretty much unbeatable and so the 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 book star, I mean it's it's been this whole run with um with this justice justice league versus uh uh 
the uh, the Legion of Doom, it's been like Doom. Legion of Doom has pretty much just been crushing Justice League, like left and right. They've always been a step ahead of them, and it, it it's been kind of cool because right when you think you're like, okay, here's where it's gonna end. Here's where Justice League is gonna prevail. Nope. It's like it just gets slipped out from underneath them, or one of the Justice League does, does something stupid and impulsive, and it ruins it for everybody. Um, so it's kind of cool because, like, in the beginning of this book, it starts out with with Superman, um, Batman, and Wonder Woman talking about, you know, it's just really somber, and they're you know they're like we're not going to win this, you know? And, and, and they're all agreeing. They're like, yeah, we're not, we're screwed. <laughs> so um, they all just kind of come out and, and talk to the rest of, of the justice league. And they're kind of like, Hey, we're gonna, we're going to go down, but we're going to go down swinging. And um, so that's when it, it like cuts over to, to the Legion of doom and, Perpetua, and she's kind of giving her speech to the Legion of Doom, saying, "Hey, you know." And it's funny because Brainiac's like saying, "I want all this knowledge. Can you give this to me?" And then she's like, "Oh, I got something in store way better for you." And um, you know, like, um, gosh, who else? Like, yeah, all, you know, everybody's like, "I want this." I mean, everybody's asking her for things, and then she's like, "No, no, I've got something way better for you." And so she starts out by turning like brainiac like enter in like literally into her throne and like everyone's like what are you doing and she like crushes him and twists him and makes him into a seat and she like sits on it <laughs> and like sinestro and cheetah like we're screwed and she like gets them and essentially turns them into like a battery to feed into um, Lex and to more give Lex more power. And so they're starting to think, well, you know, all the villains are like, well, we got the short end. She promised us like ultimate power. And now she's just screwing us all over. She totally used us and the justice league. And basically the the whole thing ends where um the legion of doom comes to the hall of justice and their their ship is you know like hovering over the hall of justice and some i, I don't know this was kind of cheesy but it, it was it was kind of cool too the like the hall of justice turns into a ship also that that there that that the justice league are in and the book kind of ends that way where like, you know, Perpetua and, and, and the, her army are like ready to invade and justice. They're just going to be like this huge clash. So that's where that ends. Um, and so in the last, the last panel here is just Batman like gritting his teeth saying, now let's finish this. So, and then it just says next haul out mayhem. Cause, yeah. Cause of the, Legion of funny. So yeah, so that's hopefully this comes to an end because um I'll be honest, like a lot of these issues um 
with this Justice League Doom War have been... If they just would have cut this whole run in half, it probably would have been a lot more... Um, easy, it would have been easier to digest, but it's been dragged on for a long time. So that'll be nice to finally get that out of the way so that we can have new stories coming around. So um, for this issue... Um, oh, jeez. Um... I'm going to go ahead and three and a half out of five. But because like I said, it's if, if there weren't already issues like this in the justice league, do more, I would have probably given it a higher rating, but something tells me something else is going to come in the way and it's not going to be the end yet. And it's just going to keep dragging out. Because we've seen issues like this that ended in this exact same cliffhanger recently, where it's like, okay, it's going to be the the last stand. It's going to be the, you know, and it doesn't. So I, if I if I had more invested in the fact that I thought this was that the next issue was going to be the the you know the long awaited you know finally final clash between those two groups. I'd probably be a little bit more excited, but I read that last panel. I'm like, oh yeah, we've seen that before. <laughs> we've been here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so man. that's my reason for the three and a half. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I will go ahead and just quick talk about a book that didn't really, well, it came out last week. It was, um, it came out on Saturday. It was part of the uh, support your local comic book day uh, group. And it's, a, it actually came out a few years ago, and it was online only. You could only read it online. But it's uh, it's actually kind of an oddity. It's a Walking Dead book, but it's not written by Robert Kirkman. It's written by Brian K. Vaughn called The Alien. Oh, oh wow. And uh, what this is is this was a one-off story that they did about Rick Grind. I believe it takes place. I've been trying to pinpoint where it takes place. I believe it's Spain. Um, part of me wants to say Italy, but I believe it's Spain. Um, and it, it follows Rick Grimes' little brother as just as the uh, apocalypse is starting to hit and he finds himself in a world of, of danger and things are going south and he's kind of being chased by zombies and he gets help from a young woman who, who basically saves him and takes him in. And she's like, I have something. He's like, why did you save me? He's like, I got, you got something I need. Um, and he, she need basically needs to use him to get to America and she gets him to the, the pier where there's a boat and they're going to get on a boat. And he, that's where he kind of reveals that he's got an older brother named Ricky and he's got a nephew and all that. So it kind of leads up to the very end of the book where you find out that it is Rick Grimes, brother, but, uh, they're, they're getting ready to get on this boat and, they get attacked by a zombie that's on the boat and it knocks the girl into the water. So Rick's brother jumps in to save her. And as he's going down to save her, there's another zombie at the bottom of the ocean already. And that zombie bites him on the ankle. And so it ends with him bleeding out. And the only color, I really like this. The only color that's in this book is his bite. 
is the blood from his bite. And uh, wow. and he's pretty much telling her that, you know, he's been bitten and she's going to have to kill him. And he says, if you ever get to Atlanta, please look up my brother, Rick, and, you know, and tell him that I'm sorry. And she was like, what is his, you know, how do I know his last name? And before she could ask that question, he kind of is looking at the, the skyline and he's like, that's a beautiful view. And she turns around and he's already changed and she screams his name. His name's Jeff. She screams his name, but then you just see like a trail of blood in the water from where he, where he had his ankle. So you assume he turns and she had to kill him, but it's a good one off. It was a nice, a nice, uh, a palate cleanser for the missing. If you're missing the walking dead, it'll be interesting to see if maybe he's going to explore more in the walking dead universe and allow other writers to do it. Uh, cause mm. I kind of got that hint from the comic shop owner. He's like, We've been hearing inklings that there's more to come from the Walking Dead universe, but it just might not be Robert Kirkman writing every issue and going different directions. So we'll see what happens. But I want to clear up some misconception about this book real quick that's kind of been going around online. It's been rumored that there was only 600 issues of this book printed. It's not true. And it, then it was also rumored that this book had the original print run of the very first issue of The Walking Dead. I don't think that's true either because Skybound is now starting to sell it on their website. So there you go. If you if you think you're buying this book, like I would get a deal and there's only 600 issues and it's going to be super awesome and rare because it's been fluctuating all over the internet on price. It, it's not. There's plenty of them out there. You can probably still get a – each comic book store had a fat stack. You could probably still walk in your comic book shop tomorrow and pick up a copy of it. So don't, don't be suckered into – to buying it because it's a limited print run because it's not you turn around and sell it on ebay but it is the first time it's in print though so that's that's exciting in itself but i figured i'd give it a nod real quick cool cool, cool. let's kind of switch gears and let's talk about a book i'm sure we all read and it was the uh the end to the month or summer long donny kate's absolute carnage series um yes. it came to an end you found you saw the final confrontation between carnage and uh eddie brock what you get what whoever wants to jump in go ahead and tell us a little bit about that story and, and how the the issue ended out i mean i have more of an opinion than a recap of the story um well recap the Recap this issue real quick, and then give your opinion, Corbin. Okay. Well, this is this was gonna this was gonna make you guys a little upset here. I read it midway through, and I got tired of it. I couldn't finish it because I had had too much influence by my friends that told me about it beforehand. That's where the opinion comes in. So basically, I mean, let me get my notes here because I actually put some up. One second. Oh, this man comes prepared. I, I have oh. I have I have some notes here that I just have to kind of get through. <laughs> I was gonna bring this up if we had time, but apparently we went straight to some moment here. Well, Jay, while he's pulling up his notes, why don't you tell us a little bit about the issue? Okay, so um, this was like you were saying the final absolute carnage um, issue that had um well basically uh the return of carnage 
and um the the you know the big the final battle with venom and it okay so i don't know i i, I, I thought it. it was pretty i thought it was pretty good um i wish there would have been a little bit more of uh i don't know like i guess of a cap to it all but i did like so are we spoiling this yeah, yeah i guess it doesn't matter, it's right? been a week oh okay yeah <laughs> yeah i guess if those lazy bastards wanted to really <laughs> so um i i thought it was pretty good um i liked the you know all the heroes coming in at the end and and kind of as like the you know as soon you know you, as soon as everything looked you know really dark and you thought all of the symbiotes were just gonna you know totally overpower everybody um the heroes came and and of course at the very end um peter parker you know found the inner strength and managed to clobber uh what's his face uh carnage and um yeah it's i guess that's kind of where it ended and then eddie brock at the end oh and okay okay there's this the one thing i i, I didn't remember is so eddie brock's kid is the one that that kind of like um knocks the crap out of um norman osborne knocks the symbiote out of him and i'm not i don't know i don't read i used to read venom but i, I stopped so i don't know have they ever made any reference to eddie brock's son having any kind of power it just started in the absolute carnage stuff i believe uh, you see it in some of the tie-ins. I I'm still like that's kind of where I was. I was like, what is his power? Like it, it yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't distinguish his power. Um, and I don't know if he maybe he just has the power to have command over symbiotes versus it being a host. He can command them. I I don't know. Or he has the power to kill symbiotes. I I don't know what his power is. And I've kind of been thinking about that and scratching my head about that for since I read this book last week. I'm just like. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, you see, like you said, you see him blow up the the symbiote. You see the final confrontation between him and Eddie, and Eddie pretty much makes a, a sword out of his symbiote and stabs Carnage cool. with yeah. it, killing him. But in doing so, he he did what they've been trying to stop this entire time, which was re releasing and calling the God Kroll. And basically, Carnage wins without winning. His right. his plan still came to fruition, even though he's Eddie just killed him. But I think it's I think it's gonna set up. It's setting up Kate's next story run, uh, Venom Island. I think is what he's essentially doing. And that's that's where I have to pipe. Okay, so I got this. That's where and this is where I shouldn't have bought too much. And I had a buddy I was talking to about this book, right? He was saying, oh, it's really just a setup for the next one. He didn't recommend me reading it. Well, you have to finish the story. So I picked it up, right? Now, this is my thing. If we remember um, Absolute Carnage number four, the last kind of scene we had was Venom, who had just grew wings, flying after a similarly winged Carnage, right? So right. I'd imagine all of us thought we were going to have a treat because the notes I had taken, we'd already had in this series Symbiote Dragons, we had a Venom Hulk, and we had a bunch of other whack stuff that already happened. So... <laughs> we think that it's going to be like a big giant clash, right? Yeah. Look at the book. 
Now, the fight was was anticlimactic. It wasn't anything really there. And, I mean, that kind of kept in line with the arc that we've already seen from Eddie so far, which is that he didn't have to outmuscle Carnage because there was other ways for him to win this one. So the fact that he made this questionable sacrifice, at best, was odd to me. And mind you, this is about the time where I got to kind of pull out because it's the extent of my reading. And I was actually going to finish it after we're done. But I already knew where this led off. Ha <laughs> You got it. Anyway, um... But I realized that the story, the way it was going to me, it wasn't going to go to an ending. It was going to just stop. And the next one would happen. But the problem is you have to finish the first story to get to the next. So for me, I mean, I'm sure we're all veteran comic readers. Having been through the same type of book before, I was like, I, like I'm not that invested in it to finish it. And that's why I feel bad. But my notes up, up to that point was that the, the, the illustrations, for one, the art was amazing depth. Like, just amazing. Ryan Stegman did a very good job conveying the mood, um, um, doing a great job of portraying Carnage. There was a point where he said, um, um, you're going to lose the little boy. And the glee on Carnage's face was sickening. Like, you could oh, visibly his, see that. His picture of, of Cletus Cassidy at the very mm -hmm. beginning of the book is outstanding. Yeah, yeah it, it's some amazing, amazing work. Yeah, and that, that's one. Another one that I noted that I really liked was after Carnage presented Eddie with the choice between saving his son or, or, or the world, and the look on his face, the despair, um, all of that, the, the picture could say a thousand words, and it felt like it did. It was palpable, the the resentment, the anger, the fact that he knew he was going to do something terrible, and yet was so determined to do what he was going to continue on the line of action. So all of that, I mean, the series itself, in my opinion, has been outstanding. I will give it that. Um, there's been plenty to like. Up to this point, I was not a fan of the conclusion, though. So much so that with a couple of pages, I just stopped. I didn't think it was going to be any sudden revelation because I could see where this was going. And based off what I've heard just now, um, there wasn't. I'm going to reread it just because. I think this page right finish. here is absolutely beautiful. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Cool. I mean, you have to give Ryan Stegman. Donny Cates did an amazing job. But Ryan Stegman, to get, as a penciler, great job. Just a phenomenal job really giving across not only emotion, but set pieces, everything. It was great. So... I mean, that's mine. I mean, if I was to, to grade the conclusion, not even sure if we're really doing that since it's more of a roundtable discussion, Matt. But, I mean, I, I kind of give it incomplete because I didn't finish it, but I didn't finish it because I figured it was going to be kind of an abrupt ending. I didn't want to have to go through that. Well, I mean, it's your review of it. It's what you want to give it. It's what you think. Oh. Um, I mean, but four to five, even with can, that. Can we be – well, see, I was going to say, can we be honest with ourselves now and say that in the grand scheme of things – Donny Cates, I'm a fan of his writing. He's a fantastic writer. The art was beautiful. But in the grand scheme of things, all the tie-ins for this book were unnecessary. I had a feeling. I, I See, I, I learned, I should have learned long ago about this, but I, I learned the hard way from uh, War of the Realms. Oh, I said, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I am done with all these tie-ins. I'm going to follow the core story, and if I don't get it, Oh well, I think, and so I didn't pick up any of the tie-ins. A couple at the beginning, but well, I yeah, think I this, some of the tie-ins were pivotal, like the the Venom tie-ins, the Venom the issue, the stuff that played out in Venom, well, that the stuff sense. that played yeah. out in Amazing Spider-Man was good. And yeah, the, the ongoing series, but that like, were tied into this were giving us the Miles Morales stuff was kind of whatever like the scream stuff with whatever the stuff with deadpool was whatever it, it really didn't feel like it was needed it didn't feel justified even in the ending of the story it didn't feel like those tie-ins 
were necessary. It felt like it was just a cash grab at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. So well, there was a there was a Captain Marvel absolute carnage that came out yeah, last week. I think it's like I think overall the the core story, and I'm gonna include the the ongoing series tie-ins with this. I agree, four out of five. But I think overall with all the tie-ins included and the what-off tie-ins, I'm gonna give it like a three a three five, if not a two five. Like a three th- well, I'd say between three to three five, I think it's fair. Just because I felt like it was an unnecessary cash grab, which which extended this series and made it go months when it didn't need to go months in across <laughs> every book that was what five ninety nine a book, four ninety nine a book, like <laughs> ain't cheap. You know, it's and I, I feel like yeah. like one of the things I'm gonna talk about that I'm looking for tomorrow is the next issue, the next issue of Venom comes out, and I kind of think that we're gonna get a little bit more answers to the ending of this arc in Venom because it leaves it on a cliffhanger. He sit there and right. his kids like, "Did you say you're my dad?" So he went from thinking that it's his big brother to now knowing that it's his dad. So yeah. It I think you're going to see a little bit play out there in the next issue of Venom and we'll see where we go from there, but like I said, overall the core book intact 4 out of 5, but if or 4, yeah, 4 out of 5, but if you're going to go overarching entire story including tie-ins, it lowers the score. Yeah, I'm just so sick of of these big crossovers. I was like, man, we don't even we don't need this. You know, it used to be a, like a huge event when when Marvel would have their you know their their big crossovers their or their big you know uh, uh, the the like stories that cross over. Yeah, mm-hmm. into all the different issues. Now it's like we went from one to another to another to this. You know, and there were some that were even parallel to this. It's like, man, what? We don't, I'm tired of it. It's been a long time since a Marvel, well, even a DC event has had the payoff or been that huge, just earth-shattering event, you know? Yeah, this you actually know? lived up to it. Because they're so right. they're so ingrained to just every year we're gonna we're gonna just reboot. We're just gonna reboot. We're just gonna reboot. So there's no, there's no. It feels like there's no. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I don't want to say cause, but there's no rhyme or reason. Re- Ramifications for the, the event. There you go. Ramifications to the event that's taking place because it's an end of the event, so you know, come January, February, they're going to reboot it anyways. So it's right. not going to And it's hard. Anymore. Right, and it's hard to invest in it when, yeah, like when you're sitting there reading it and all this stuff happens, you're like, I'm just, you're just spinning your wheels here because you know all this stuff's just going to be reset in six months. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm willing to see how it plays out in a Venom, but it feels very much like he used this end of this book to set up his next big event in Venom Island. So, But my other thing with Donny Cates is I love his writing. He's a fantastic writer, but he's doing so much stuff now. I'm worried that his writing's going to get stale. I'm almost worried that he's going to get that, that Bendis burnout where his writing's going to become stale because he's doing Carnage. He's doing um, Silver Surfer Black. He's doing all of his indie books for Image. He's doing... Uh, now he's picking up Thor. So it's like he's got all these books that are going, and it, it makes me worry that maybe he's spreading himself a little bit thin and his work is going to start becoming yeah. Um, yeah, it's stale. It's going to get bendicitis. Mm-hmm. Plus, Donny Cates has stuff on Aftershock too, doesn't he? Oh, is he still doing He's got stuff arcs. on Aftershock. He's got stuff on Image. He's got stuff pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So he's, he's, I'm afraid he's going to get the Bendis or the, the Snyders and 
his writing's going to be mediocre. It, you know, it's it's going to it's going to take a hit. I don't want to say mediocre cuz he's a fantastic writer, but it's going to take a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I think I think like him. personally in my opinion, you might not agree with me. I feel like St- Snyder's writing has become stale and kind of lost its footing since he's left Batman. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I, I would agree with most of that. I feel it was a few standout issues here or there. But then again, I guess in reference to that, I can't call to mind. I just remember reading some after that yeah. Batman. But you're right. I mean, but, for the most part. Like, mm-hmm. It never captured that magic yet. Like, look last at Night all, on Earth? You look, think? At, look at all. Well, Last Night on Earth is good, but I'm not going to judge it yet because it's not finished. And yeah, it scares true. me. Like, issue one and two came out one month from each other. And I love yeah. issue one and two. But the fact that it's taken so many months for issue three to come out scares me. That's true. And and this seems like a, such a complex story. He's trying to wrap it up in three issues. That worries me. Even if they yes. are oversized issues, it worries me. And look at look at his work on All-Star Batman. Look what he did with, with Dark Knight Metal. Like, people liked Metal, but I, I thought it was mediocre at best. Some people think Metal's a top 10 book. Yeah, I disagree with that 100%. And you know that. I think the best thing to come out of Metal, the best thing to come out of Metal was giving the DC Universe to Batman Who Laughs. And, yeah, and even that's been overused yeah. enough, man. Jeez. Yeah. But I get you. It's like, I get it's you. like Baby Yoda Bowl because it's, it's DC's Baby Yoda. They're going to milk that bitch for everything they can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, totally. <laughs> that's why he's in so, everything. Yeah. And he's the main villain in the, the villains. You're the, the villain. villain. Yeah. yeah. Next year will be year of the Batman who laughs. Yeah. Next year, you know, you're gonna see a Batman who laughs animated movie, or you know, <laughs> into whatever. the animated, into the Batman who yeah. laughs. I don't yeah. know. His, well, like, his own ongoing, his well, own ongoing is inevitable. Well, oh yeah, I've already had kind of his own. He had his own five issue miniseries or six issue yeah. miniseries, whatever it was. And mm-hmm. then you've got what they're gonna do the Batman who laughs like DC streaming live action show or like what's next? He's gonna show up in Titans next season, like. Who knows what they're going to do with this character? Oh, look out, but, Harley Quinn. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I just think that, like I said, I, I like Donnie Case's writing. I just hope that he's not spreading himself too thin. But, again, I think that Absolute Carnage falls short, much like most Marvel and DC big crossover book event books have done lately. So, Yeah, I, I will agree with that for sure. Like I said, I just wish... You know, we had all this in all this time, you know, invested in this. I would have at least liked to have, you know, you see five out of five on a, on a series, and you're like, okay, this is gonna be the end. I can't wait to see how this all. But it didn't end, and it, in fact, the last, I think, the last page was, you know, hey, you know, check out the ending in these books. You're like, oh, come on. You know, it's like, I don't know. You want you want it tied up a little bit better, and then you want to read about the repercussions in the ongoing stuff. Right. Like, Amazing has already moved on. Well, you know? I'm, yeah, moved on to trash. <laughs> I knew that was fun, <laughs> but I get what you mean. <laughs> I, I hated Amazing Spider-Man 34. I'm, we'll talk about it when we get to it, but I hated that issue. I, I put it down halfway through, and I'm like, I'm done. Well, let's do that because I did the exact same thing and I have it in my hands right now. All right, let's do it. Um, for one, can I, I? Okay, so I get that we already have, and this is unrelated to this, but they're already having a Marvel, and I'm I'm on all of the issues for it, the 2099 event, mm-hmm. um, where they're not remaking the universe; they're kind of doing their own take 
on the 299 universe except making um, the 299 universe that was originally done with Peter David and Stan Lee and them in the 90s more 2019 relevant conscious. Um, all I have to say, it's kind of confusing right now for me. I'm reading Fantastic Four um, for 299. I read the 299 Alpha. I have to reread it again because it's really interesting. A lot of moving parts. But this one... Well, let me give you some help with that. I've heard from a lot of people... Do that you need to read Amazing Spider-Man before you read the 2099 Alpha, and it helps you clear things up. Then that makes perfect sense. I read the Alpha from beginning to end already, and most of Fantastic Four before I started reading Amazing Spider-Man 34, and I did not finish it. Not because I was tired of it or, or knew where I was going, but it just didn't hold my interest enough with the other books I had. I said, I'll just get to this another time. There's nothing here that really sparks any tremendous ramifications for me. Um, uh, it's like what Spider Man. It's like a Spider Man team up, really. Well, yeah. it's kind of the retelling of the twenty, like you said, the twenty nine ninety year, twenty ninety nine universe, and they're remaking, redoing the image because we're in the future now. This book it was came out, you know, when they were only speculating on what the future was going to be. Well, we're there now, and you know, so now they have to readjust it and speculate what the future will be from considering the technology and whatever we have now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like that retelling of of. Um, Miguel, Miguel O'Hara coming from the future to the past and trying to seek out Peter Parker and where Peter Parker was and, and all the stuff that's tying into it. And like I said, I, I just found it so boring. I got it probably halfway through it and was like, you know what? I did the same thing you did. I was like, I've got other books here that I need to get to that are, that are <laughs> piquing my interest way more. I was like, I'm saving Marauders for the end. I, you know, my last book to read is going to be Marauders. I was like, I got better books to read. I'm not finishing this. I'm out. I'm out on yeah. Amazing Spider-Man for a while. Until this 2099 stuff is over, I'm out. I it's really want to buy into it, too. See, I, I've i never been a fan of the 2099 stuff. And so now that they're, like, redoing this again, yeah, I, you know, I'm like, uh, I don't... I'm, I, I've Seriously, I had the same idea that you guys did. I'm like... I don't like this, but I'm going to power through it because I'm a man. Okay. That's what men do. Oh, okay. So now you're calling our manhood is being called into question now. (laughs) Because we didn't finish the issue. You're reading a comic book, but yet our manhood is being called into issue because we didn't finish the comic book. Sorry. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes the truth hurts. Okay. I I will say this. (laughs) I will give, I will give um, whatever credit I can. I liked the art by Patrick Gleason with the colors by um, Matthew Wilson, D. Cuniff, and Chris O'Halloran. Particularly what they did with Spider-Man 2099 in Doom. Um, there was one two-page spread that, I mean, two-page, like, it was, I loved the dark contrast, the colors, um, all yeah, of that it. Was cool. It popped. Um, and it was something I, I still look at, even while not finishing the book. So I'll give credit to that. But everything else on this was so forgettable. I'm right there with you, Matt. I mean, I'm not going to drop out of it just because I'm, I want to be invested in the 29 universe. That's, you know, growing up with Spider-Man 2099 and, and reading um, Punch 2099, all of that is really kind of in my head when I'm looking at these with such hope to want to have that same level of entertainment and, and, and inspiration and sense of, what could be in the future and having good compelling stories that tie into that i'm not getting that right now um but i'm hopeful and so that's why i'm still on that but I, and i don't know why they're pushing the 2099 universe again and the only thing well, i can get from it is it's a cash grab it's a it cash, is, it's a cash grab to get you ready for into the spider verse 2 because miguel o'hara is going to be a big important character in that in that story so they're trying to re-familiar well, rise the general people with Miguel O'Hara and Spider-Man 2099 and what he's all about. Well, yeah, actually, at the end of the 2099 Alpha, uh, yeah. I finished reading, um, 
Nick Nick Lowe, the co-editor, actually said basically it came from uh, one of their writers, Matthew Rosenberg. They had their Marvel Comic Comics Creative Summit, and he basically said, "Oh, well, you realize that eighty years from now it was twenty ninety nine." And as a group, they like went past that comment, then they drove back to it because, as you said, Matt, cash grab. So it's like they were looking for ideas, looking for ideas. Rosenberg threw that out there, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then, oh, but wait a second. So let's go back. And they're trying to say that it's an homage to the Stan Lees, the Paul Ryans, the Peter Davids, uh, the Pat Ellis, all of those writers in the past who made that universe. But we all know what it's about. You kind of pretty much said it, Matt, because 80 years, I could see if it was 100 years or something. I don't see they the like relevance, but then again, like I said, I'm a sucker for the art for one, I, and I also loved the storyline growing up, you know, as a kid reading this stuff. So for me, it's nostalgia is really driving it home, but as a story, I'm not impressed at all. Not impressed. Mm. That's good to hear because sometimes I'm like, am I missing something from not picking this up? But if it's all nostalgia, dude, then yeah. I, it was never nostalgia. I mean, I was never into it when it was going on before, yeah. so. I mean, we still have Punisher, Conan, um, Ghost Rider, Venom, and Doom, like their own individual issues come out. Only so far was the Amazing Spider-Man 33 and 34, Alpha 1, and Fantastic Four. So we still have a couple more, but, like, this is not the, the great start that I was hoping for. All I can say, Tim, it's like, or uh, Jay, it's like Tim in the chat just said, you think just because a guy reads some comics, he can't start some shit? Say, yeah. Say just because you're a man, <laughs> just because you're a man, you powered through the book, huh? That's right. <laughs> Shout out to Tim. <laughs> but um, but so what would you give your your four? You just did it again too. Three books in one review. I gotta bow down to your greatness, Corbin. Oh wow! Listen, hey, I appreciate quick. it, man. Very I'm quick. trying to just be, I'm just trying to be like you, man. <laughs> what would so comic, what's your comic. what's your uh, score that you're gonna give it? Oh, I gave Batman 83 uh, three out of five. Did we finish with that? I think it was 3.5 out of five, maybe. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I might have said 2.5. I'm embarrassed by that. I will say I will say a 3.5 out of five, in which case I will give uh, this one a 2.5. Um, because, Ooh. yeah, I just, I just was not – I mean, the artwork was great, but so was the artwork for Batman 83. Um, in Batman 83, we already said so many good elements on their side, where 29.9 just felt like I was reading through a story – and one that, quite frankly, wasn't really important enough to hold my interest. Um, so I, it wasn't great. And Patrick Gleason's artwork can only take me so far. Hmm. I got a book. You got a book, Jay, that I'm excited to to hear about because it kind of piqued my interest, but I didn't pick it up. And that's uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. Oh, uh, well. You didn't read it, did you? I got through some of it. Uh-oh. And... Uh, it was. It just. It was very kiddy, and I was very disappointed by that. So then I'm like, like, you, like you did with, with Spidey. I'm like, I have better books to read. I'm gonna put this down for right now. Hey, that's um, understandable. So yeah, I didn't finish it. It. I don't know. It has some pretty cool art though. <laughs> I'll give it that. Art for the week has been a win. I will say. Even yes, the books absolutely. we didn't like, we've liked the yeah, artwork. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited for the Masters of the Universe Kevin Smith animated series. Like, super excited for <laughs> oh, that. The biggest yeah. fan you are. Yeah. But, really? You you're into Masters of the Universe? Yeah, I like you, man. Oh Masters man, I love it, love it. 
But I mean, I don't. I didn't read the comics, but I used to collect the toys as a kid and watch the TV shows and the cartoons and. Mm-hmm. Even though I liked, I, I enjoyed the Hanna Barbera knockoff better. Um, I can't ever remember what the hell it was called. They had the fucking uh, like goo things that wiggled around, and they had the like rhinos that shot pellets out of their heads. I can't remember what it was called. Her- I want to say Herculoids, but I don't think that's right. Um, hmm. No. <laughs> I can't. Uh, my He-Man knowledge is lacking, so I have no help for you there, buddy. But um. But yeah. So, anyways, all right. So, uh, should we move on to start getting into the the realm of um X Men here? And uh, I've only got I've only got two books left. What do you guys got? I'm kind of right up there with you, and they kind of tied in with Excalibur and Mar- the Marauders. Yeah, I'm about spent too. I got Star Wars number seventy five, but yeah, not I'll pass that one over. Well, well, what would your? Just give us the highlight. Give us the the real quick rundown. Okay, it just it seems like it was wrapped up really fast, and it was just. I don't know if you guys remember me moaning about it last time, but um, so yeah, those rock people were on that planet and the rebellion was going to blow it up, hoping the the Imperial fleet would, would be next to it and take them all with them. So it turns out that the rebels ended up being stuck on that planet with the bombs about to go, with the, the charges about to go off, they're going to explode the planet and um, t- Turns out that the whole planet was a giant rock monster, and although the the rebels that were on there, Luke Lehan, everybody managed to escape, and this giant rock monster took the explosion, the explosives, and literally spit them onto a star destroyer, and and and, and exploded it, and Vader um, went surfing on a piece of debris into an imperial shuttle and that's how he got away and it sounds like i'm making this crap up unfortunately i, I was and kathleen kennedy says that there's no goddamn mysterious expanded universe to take out for movies <laughs> give us some rock people planets let's go so, oh and then vader surfed on a on a uh, on a sea of magma on a rock that was impressive but you know why because he understands the power of the dark side. Rock Lobster is a P-52 song, Kyle. Welcome to the chat. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah. So, that that was the end of 75. And, again, I I, I was... Because the whole thing... This arc was called, like, uh, Journey to Hoth or something like that. So, it was supposed to leave off, like, right when the Rebellion you know, goes into Hoth and right when Empire Strikes Back starts, but it didn't. Alas, you have to buy one more tie-in to see that small um, time frame. That's that's another thing. Ching ching, you know, probably another, you know, five, six dollar book you have to spend. Emperor Mouse wants your money. Heck yeah. Yes he does. All right. So what would you give? What's your score on that book? One and a half out of five. Jesus. 
Yeah. That's a record. We're only two episodes in, and we have a record wow. low score. I mean, to be fair. Half out of five. I'm fe- I, you know, I, I was going to be nice, and I started recapping. I mean, no, this sucks. It's trash. One hey, own your truth. Own your truth, Jay. I'm with you, man. If it's trash, it's trash, right? Hey, call it out, man. All about it. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to attempt to uh, continue the triumvirate here, if I, if I may, real quick, Matt. And just, unless you, uh, were you going to run through one of the X titles? No, I will save them both for the end since I think that's books we've all read. We can so let's team up on them. that because I read the same. So I'll follow your lead on that. All right. Go ahead with what you were going to, what were you going to lead into, Corbin? Um, well, I mean, I was tying Excalibur and uh, the Marauders, but really, I guess, just focusing on Excalibur because I found that one to be very um, interesting. Uh, Excalibur 2, and basically, um, Betsy Braddock has taken the mantle of Captain Britain, and so her and the team are making their way to the lighthouse with hopes of setting up um, a gate and saving her brother Brian, and that's kind of where it's like, oh, what dangers may lie ahead? And the dangers end up being like a pack of weird... Um, I want to say like seal people. It was very interesting. Um, I accumulated them to the the people from the uh, what is it? The deep or the the trench they call it? In, yeah, uh, from Aquaman. In Aquaman. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of when I was reading that. That's kind of exact. That, that's exact same. Like they're 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 on a uh, ship, and all of a sudden they're attacked, and they're they're kind of fending off from them as they make it to the lighthouse. And I found it interesting. I mean, Beth Braddock is an interesting character in general. Um, I thought she didn't seem to be too enamored with the idea of being Captain Britain. That was kind of interesting to me. Like, she definitely didn't seem to be fond of it, kept moving forward a little stern as far as the character is concerned. Um, (laughs) one thing I did point out that I was not a fan of, um, made a note of this, was they were on the ship, and, um, Rogue was in her flower-type stage, like, basically, like, frozen, or kind of, like, like, in, like, like, floating. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk about that in a minute once once you're done, because I'm glad you brought that up. So, go ahead. Okay. So, Gambit was in his, like, he wasn't, he was taking offense at, like, the quips and jokes that were kind of going on as they were, like, swimming or, like, floating. And, you know, Rogue was in this state, and he was obviously concerned. And that makes sense. But we got, like, a cringeworthy exchange between Jubilee and Kate that I just was not fond of at all. And it was about Rogue um, in her state apparently looking like a princess and if anyone had tried kissing her yet. And it seemed like such an obvious forced nod to Marvel's parent company that I couldn't help but roll my eyes almost to the back of my head. I was like, really? I had, I had to almost look like, at the Disney stuff to see if there was any reference to that Rogue reference from the comics. Because it was so, it was such an obvious nod, like, like oh, we, we're, we're, we're um, what is that word? We're, um, like, not for, we're obligated to put a Disney reference in this Marvel book. That, I did not like that line at all. I thought it was odd and forced. Um, and... <laughs> Also, what is this flower type stage that Rogue is in anyway? That's and that's point. what I landed to Matt. When when did this happen? Like I was like, man, I need to go back and reread issue one because I don't remember. I remember clearly issue one. I don't remember her going into this flower stage. I don't remember that either. But she got hurt when she tried to open that door. Right, and it, from and is that when it happened? Because I like yeah, but I don't remember this whole weird yeah thing that they got going. Yes, yes, Tim. Bitsy Braddock was previously Psylocke, and now Psylocke has separated. Um, if you followed X-Men in the 90s, she she took over the body of an Asian woman, an Asian assassin, and they've been kind of stuck together. But now with the, the forming of her code, they have separated. 
So Betsy Bardock is now um, Captain Britain now that her brother's trapped, and the other one, the other, um, I can't think of her name right now, took up the mantle of Psylocke. So yeah, they're two different people now. But, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this is, and and what's what's the deal with Apocalypse? Like no clue. He's like no this weird, like sage like, magician, like just like. I, I don't know what yeah elder. I don't know what he's his play is because, I feel no like, fear reading him you see him you see him hugging that that entity from the other island and, and one of the other books and now he's like obsessed with Jubilee's baby and Jubilee doesn't want to leave her baby with him and he's like showing up when they're <laughs> to fight battles and and uh, Bar Betsy Bardock's like why are you here I didn't ask you to come here we don't need you you know, mm -hmm. and he's like inserting himself in just weird places, and like, it's just it's it's weird. Like Excalibur is interesting, and I'm gonna keep going, but it's just it's just weird. It's a. I like weird. having that outside team kind of run adventures. That that's cool. But you're right, it is not. You said it, it's weird. It's just weird. It's like like Gambit is is annoyed that she's in this state, and like he's he's pissed off that they're making jokes about it. And, he doesn't find it funny, and he, he says he's not going to leave her. He's going to stay by her and protect her, and, like, Jubilee wants to bring her kid because she doesn't. she's afraid Apocalypse is going to get him, and she had bad dreams about Apocalypse taking over her kid. It, it's just, I'm, I'm not sure where this one's going. It's And I think that's what intrigues me about it, but it's definitely a step up from the previous issue. And and that, I was kind of, like, wondering, when did Rogue become in this flower state? I was like, when the hell did this happen? Like, I remember her getting yeah. zapped when she tried to open that doorway, but I, mm -hmm. I don't remember her going in, like, this cocoon of, like, Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> Again, Disney reference, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, I'm playing. It's just odd. Um, The book was odd. If I was to give it a grade, what, three out of five? I mean, that's, yeah, that's average. That's fair. And that's kind of solid, yeah. But I want to yeah. talk about my pick of the week and my favorite book. It. My favorite book in this entire X-Men run right now, and that's Marauders. Marauders is, is quickly, I feel like, the best book in the series. I feel like it's perform outshines the X-Men main title. It's outshining every title so far, um, even in issue two. Like, who knew Kitty? I mean, of course, P Kitty Pride's been a fan favorite. A lot of people love her, but, like, she's got some star power in this in this new book. And just the way she's had this transformation and she's con she's, like, commanding this team. And the whole the whole issue, I liked. It was kind of like a chess match between, uh, between um, God, Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw, and mm -hmm. like Emma Frost is trying to keep him at bay as Sebastian Shaw is trying to make a play for the Red Throne, and he wants to know who's going to be the Red King and sit on the Red Throne, and you you kind of push comes to stuff. So like they set it up where. Kitty, Kitty's Marauder team attacks a boat and steals the shipment, but yet sends uh, steals a shipment from a country who needs this this cure for the sickness cure that the X Men are giving out, but instead still delivers another shipment to that island. So it looks like they attacked them, but they're still receiving their shipment in the back and the back end, anyways. And Sebastian Shaw's like, I'm gonna, you know, who's on the Red Throne? I need to know who's playing the Red Throne. And you come to find out at the end, Kitty Pride walks in and all red in her pirate getup, with with her tattoos <laughs> on her knuckles, and she's like, 
and uh one and uh, Emma Frost is like about that the that spot's already been occupied and the last issue is Kitty Pride walking in looking like a badass. Mm-hmm. So I mean dude, this team is great. Bobby, Pyro, Kitty Kitty Pride, Emma Frost like I think the only thing that Storm um and Bishop, I think the only thing that makes this team better is if Nightcrawler was part of it. Just because he's kind of got that that pirate swashbuckling way, but yeah, that's true, huh? You know, I just think that this was a fantastic read, and like I said, it's it's by far one of my favorite title in the X books. And just kind of like Kitty in that, um, and, and she walks in, and and just like I say, when she walks in with this confidence, like a badass, I'm not lying. She walks in with the red coat and the sword and the X-Belt pouring a glass of liquor. And she says, I'm the Red Queen, bitch. Like, that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. what she says. I'm the Red Queen, bitch. You know? And it was a very good one. It was. And she's got her, her hold fast tattoos on her knuckles. And, you know, it's it's kind of like a fresh re like a rejuvenation and of the character. A much-needed makeover for the Kitty Pride character. And I, like I said, I'm super excited to see where this book goes goes um, in the future. And I love the art in it. And I love like the the shot where where Emma Frost goes diamond, and Sebastian Shaw's got her like slams her up against the the uh, the wall. It's I I give Marauders I give Marauders a four point five out of five. I can't Ooh, I can't give it a five. No, wow. Because if, if it had a little Nightcrawler action in there, I'd give it a 5, but 4.5 out of 5. So Yeah, I agree, man. I, I thought it was really entertaining. Um, it's it's fun, and it's, it's like you said, it, it reimagines, um, or not reimagines, but it it kind of revamps Kitty Pride as kind of like, a, you know, well, she led the X-Men for a while in Uncanny, but She's the leader of this group, and I guess now she's the Red Queen. The, the thing that's kind of weird, though, that I can't help thinking every time there's something like this going on with with the, the main chairs in the Krakoa like, government is this whole thing's probably going to come crashing down. I mean, you know, Sebastian Shaw is one of the guys has the main uh, – is one of the main – like the heads of, of that government governing board. And he's already screwing around taking, you know, shipments and, and pocketing money on his own. And he's already doing this back end deals and stuff. I'm like, man, right. When is this, when is this whole thing? And apparently like you were saying in, in a uh, Excalibur apocalypse is kind of doing his creeping around, doing his thing in the shadows. It's like, that's, it's not going to last well, this whole thing. We, I didn't want to say it last week, but now it's been, you know, two weeks since this has happened, or even longer than that. X-Force number one with the death of Xavier. That that has shaken up the hierarchy in in, in Krakoa. And you have... Why are you flipping me off, Corbin? Oh, no, I have, my, I have my one finger up. No, I was agreeing with you because I think you were referencing um, um, Kitty Pride. And I think her whole personality, this assertiveness, this... This, this confidence, this way that she's carrying herself now is a direct um, effect or a, or a direct result from that death of Xavier. And I like the way that of all the characters they could have done that with, Kitty's transformation, personality-wise, due to the death of a mentor in Xavier, makes the most sense. So another reason why it's a good one. Yeah, and like like you said, they're all kind of jockeying for that 
that position that is vacant, you know, that head of the table that's left vacant by Xavier. Because even Magneto's got his own goings on in the background. So it, it's mm-hmm. interesting to watch all of these in Sinister too. So it's it's interesting to see what where it goes from here. Kyle's over here trolling us in the chat. <laughs> is this Couch Crunchers? No, it is not Couch Crunchers. Don't be a coward, Kyle. Come on. Tell <laughs> no. you, they can't fact check us. Bishop, no <laughs> Bishop to B5. He's just giving us no-name actors. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Definitely a character study. Dark and ominous, possibly a character study. He's just trolling the chat. <laughs> wow. But... Um, wow! That's, that's all the books. That's all the books I have for this week. Marauders, four point five out of five. What do you think, Corbin? I kind of have to go with you. I was going to give it a four out of five. Really enjoyed it. Thought the artwork was amazing. Liked the storytelling and the progression in an actual tangible sense of a story plot being moved along, um, which is always exciting for me as a reader to tune in every week. Um, so I'm I'm right there with you. I uh, won't give it a four point five out of five only because I, I think there's some books in my head that would reach a higher echelon for me there. Um, it could have used the Nightcrawler too. I'm just kidding, but um, yeah, four to five is solid for me. I'd give it that. Definitely right there with you as far as the pick of the week. Jay, yeah, I'd agree. Four to five. Um, it would have been four point five if we would have had more Lockheed. But more Lockheed, there you yeah. go. That's one that works, especially with Kitty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got good Lockheed, and you even got good action Lockheed where he's feel where he's uh feeding Pyro's flames. Oh, was that in this issue? Was it this issue, or was it? Or am I thinking of a different? Or was, was I that, think no, that was Excalibur. I think yeah. that was an Excalibur. Yeah. That's he did that yeah. in Excalibur. Oh no, no, it is. It's is it, it is. It's okay. yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I remember okay. the dragon coming. I don't remember the flames, but I could, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's yeah. It was good. And uh, Corbin, you hit on a on something. It it has it does have really good pace, for sure. There's not a lot of like you know dead spots or like uh, you know it, it was good good flow good art definitely good characters I think a lot of definitely. Kitty Pride's new attitude takes place of the fact that she can't go through the portal don't forget she can't she still can't go through the gates to Krakoa so there's a reason why she can't and I think it's this this new attitude of she doesn't know who she is so she can be whatever she wants so she's just like screw it she takes this hardcore attitude you know and. She's kind of been the savior in, in multiple issues. They've kind of her marauders have shown up and kind of saved the day. So I'm super excited for what's still to come. So we'll see. Yeah, but, but all definitely. right, let's get into our show where we're part of our show where we're looking forward. And we tell you what books we're looking forward to that come out tomorrow. So that way, if you took interest in any of the books we read tonight or reviewed tonight, you can go pick those up at your local shop while you're picking up new recommendations for tomorrow. Uh, why don't we go ahead and kick it off with Corbin? What you got coming out tomorrow that you uh, are looking forward to? Honestly, uh, it's it's time for Tales of Dark Multiverse. Really big on that. It should be the Infinite Crisis one. Um, that's 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 taken all. I know it's not your traditional weekly kind of pull, but that's been one I'm very much looking forward to. Um, and then right, it's almost as much as I am for the next one after, which is uh, the Judas Contract. So I'm I'm anxious to get my hands on that. Um, aside from that, yikes! I mean, I got, got <laughs> I mean, it, it's yeah, it's kind of it's, it's my slow week. I mean, I, this is my big week. So I have my Batman titles, I have my 299. So I can't remember what's really on my next one. Um, probably another um, rotating Spider-Man title and whatever I pick up at the shop when I go tomorrow. So. That's kind of that. My big one is definitely Tales of the Dark Multiverse. 
it's been a great series, everyone. Like, um, a really, really good one. I can't recommend it enough. And I really can't wait for their interpretation on a story that was already kind of dark to begin with um, and see where they go with this, with the Blue Beetle apparently being a really key character in this one. So can't recommend it enough. And then also when they've been putting out these, um, in the Tales of Dark Multiverse um, one shots, they've also been putting out the dollar um, facsimile comics of the, of the original storyline. So definitely make sure you pick up one of those too, because why not? They're cheap. And I mean, it's a great story. You already know you're getting. Jay, what do you got coming out tomorrow? Well, one thing that I'm kind of excited about is uh, a book come the image is putting out called Philadelphia. That's that's on my radar as well. Mm. Yeah, it's about uh, a detective whose father, who's also a detective, and apparently he he's a very renowned police officer, and he his this guy's father was murdered. And he goes back to his hometown to solve his father's murder. But when he's there, he finds out there's there's this apparently there's corruption, there's all sorts of things. But the thing that really had me vampires. I'm in. That's all I needed. <laughs> in on the vampire scene. Say the word and you're sold. Heck yeah. So so yeah, Philadelphia looks pretty cool. Um, Basketful of Heads number two comes out next week. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, or I mean, sorry, tomorrow. Um, gosh, John Constantine Hellblazer number one. Hey, I'm really I'm willing to give it another go. The, the Hellblazer reboot was not so good, but um, this I believe this John Constantine Hellblazer is coming out on the Black Label, on DC's Black Label. So hopefully. That'll that'll make it better. Uh, Marvel, uh, Fallen Angels, and New Mutants number two. Oh gosh! So it's Fall, uh, Fallen Angels, New Mutants, and X Force number two are all coming out next week. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely be on that. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. So I'm looking forward to again Philadelphia, like you hit on. That's that's my uh, oddball pick of the week. If you're looking for something different, Philadelphia is definitely on my radar. Um, as far as Marvel goes, you got Conan 2099 number one, Fallen Angels number two, New Mutants number two, Punisher 2999 number one, um, the Scream Curse of Carnage number one. If you want to keep going with that, Venom number mm-hmm. 20, X Force number two. As far as DC goes, you got Batman Beyond 38. Detective Comics um, 1016, so that continues your, I believe that continues your uh, your freeze tale, right, Corbin? Yep, you're right, you're right. Oh, man. You got uh, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, like Corbin said, Infinite Crisis. Yes. And then uh, Supergirl Annual Number 1 is a big one, as uh, Corbin alluded to earlier. It's your, uh, your first in-depth look at uh, the Supergirl who laughs, the infected Supergirl, so... Mm-hmm. That's one to watch Crazy. out for as well. So that's right, Kyle. I do have a radar. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Funny, but, uh, funny. We're, we're there. Do you guys you guys have anything else you want to cover? Any other bright spots you want to make people aware of as far as what to look for, what to pick up? Um, one more thing. Oh, sorry, Corbin. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say, um, it was just a random topic. If you're into the Black Friday, but you're a comic fan, there's several comic stores in the Valley that'll be doing their own Black Friday sales. Um, cheap books, um, 
whole bunch of reduced prices on on sets and um, trades and everything. So definitely keep your eyes out for that. And just ask your comic shop um, owner if they have anything planned, and then definitely look around because more than a couple um, in the valley that have some big event for really cheap comics and and a quick way to stock up at a low price this weekend. Cool. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick, uh, book that came out a couple weeks ago, the other title on Joe Hill's Hill House Comics, it's put out by DC, is Dollhouse Family. I I bought it because it was it was Hill House, and I I really didn't know what to expect at all, but it turns out it's really really creepy, and it's it's really cool. So whole thing just had to do with this this little girl um got this 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 antique dollhouse in the mail from a distant relative and it had dolls inside and turns out that the dolls are alive and the little girl's able to go into the dollhouse and live with the family that's in the dollhouse because her life her, her the little girl's life it's really crummy. Like her mother has this really abusive boyfriend and it's just horrible. And anyway, so the the little girl, when she's in the dollhouse with, with her little dollhouse family saying, Oh yeah, you know, the, you know, I don't like it with, with my, you know, my mom's boyfriend and he's rough. And then, and then one of the dolls goes, maybe he ought to visit the black room. And then she goes, what's the black room. And then she, and the little doll goes, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said anything about that to you. You're kind of young, <laughs> and so that's what what it's kind of left off. And like, so they're gonna stick this guy into this thing called the black room, and who knows what it is? But it's I guarantee it's probably gonna be pretty creepy because it was a pretty cool book, very well written. I might have checked that out. It's good. Yeah, the Hill House it comics does. have been intriguing. Yeah, yeah. It kind of gave me like a, a Coraline uh, vibe. Ooh. Okay. Oh. Interesting. Anything else, Corbin? You good? That That's it for me, man. What a show. All right. Guys, I want to thank you for taking this trip uh, with us on Tales from the Spinner Rack issue two. Uh, we had a lot of great reviews tonight, a lot of great books. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to make sure that you subscribe to everyone who's a part of this show and makes this show happen. Subscribe to Absolute Geek Podcast, Couch Crunchers, Grizzle Geek, Audio Ammunition, and Comic Book Exposure. Um, but for this week's episode of Tales from the Spitter Rack, I am Matt. I'm Jay. Corbin the Comic Barbarian. <laughs> make sure to um, like and subscribe. Make sure to hit that like button if you had a great time tonight and you enjoyed our reviews. As always, support your local comic shop. Keep them packed and boarded. And we'll see you guys next time.